The right habits put you in control of your health, relationships, mindset, and more. But most people lack the tools to stick with those habits long enough to see results. That is about to change. Welcome to the Unshakable Habits Podcast with your host, habit change specialist and speaker, Stephen Box. Join us each week as experts share their stories, experiences, and insights and give you the tools to build unshakable habits so you can live life on your terms. It's time to take your habits from unsustainable to unshakable. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unshakable Habits Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Box, and I am joined today by the author of Intention, Building Capabilities to Transform Your Story, Dr. Ian Brooks. Ian, thanks for joining me, man. Hey, glad to be here, Stephen. So, Ian, you have a really interesting story uh, about how this whole book came about, just like your whole educational background, how you got into habits. And we're going to dive into that and we'll have a little conversation just, you know, about habits in general throughout our interview today. But before we dive into your story, I do want to take a second to remind the audience about the unshakable framework. And the reason why I like to remind people about this is this framework is what's going to allow you to take Ian's story and transparent and transpose it onto your life so that you can use these same principles to make the changes you want to make. So the first part, we have to have a vision. Now, visions are different than goals. Goals are very specific. We're chasing an outcome. And the reality is we often do not have control over the outcome. But visions, they're flexible. They're just really us imagining what we want life to look like. Next thing you need, you need some skills. You either have to have them already or you need to develop them in order to live out that vision. And in order to develop skills, of course, you need the third part of the framework, which is repeated actions, a.k.a. the things that become habits. So that is our unshakable framework. So, Ian, tell me, man, how did you get into this, this field of habits? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think we all try to keep them, but we always seem to fail one way or the other. And the habits that we do tend to keep, they serve a purpose for a time and place, but they also sometimes um, need to be let go of when we're actually trying to change. So this idea of habit and getting into it really started with my passion for wanting to help people from a psychology standpoint, from a mental perspective. So I started my journey through working in a clinical ward as a clinical intern, working with people with mental illnesses. And you want to talk about trying to transform people's habits, one of chemical imbalance, of new routine, of new behavior. And now how, do I, how are they expected to live their life as they move forward? You want to talk about the transformation of habits and the challenges that were experienced within that framework were extremely daunting. Now, while I left that part of me in, from a profession standpoint and moved over towards working with higher functioning people um, in the corporate space and people just one-on-one, -on -one, we all still struggle with our abilities to now have habits that are consistent towards being better. And that was always the, 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 
the narrative. It was all, we each have a story, even the individuals within my clinical ward I worked with, to the executives, to the people one-on-one, we all have a story. And that story is a continuous, continuous ability to transform and a continuous desire to be better. And to be better, we now need to reinforce our habits on a consistent basis as we move forward. And so when I actually um, you know, came up with the idea and started jotting down notes for my book, Intention, it came down to where do people actually struggle the most, in my opinion? Yeah. Where do they actually find the biggest need? And it always came down to, well, I can't sustain this. Well, okay, that's the end point. Yeah. Well, we, that's our end result. And as you described from your framework that you articulated, there's a lot more to just one singular endpoint. There are steps and habits and behaviors that are built from that. So if we say yes, that we believe that that is still true, then now I need to focus on a different point in time, not the sustainment, but who am I? And what am I seeking to achieve? And what behaviors am I willing to do even before I start enacting them? And so that's how I came up with my book, Intention, to make sure that I can articulate that in a more specific way and guide readers as even (laughs) guide myself through changes and habits that I now need to take to be better. It's interesting. One thing you just mentioned in there was about how you have to make a decision about what things you're willing to change Mm -hmm. ahead of time. And to me, that's a huge part of that vision component, right? Is Mm -hmm. When we talk about vision, it's not just like, oh, I want to be a millionaire and I want to live on the beach somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's great if that's part of your vision. Not right. saying there's anything wrong with that. Right. But vision is what kind of person are you? Like what mm-hmm. kind of person do you want to be? Mm-hmm. You know, when I interviewed on a podcast I used to do for just fitness and health people, mm-hmm. when I interviewed a lot of fitness people over and over again, the question was, how do you maintain your fitness program? Like, mm-hmm. what is it that makes you so unique compared to your clients who are struggling mm-hmm. to do the same thing? Mm-hmm. And overwhelmingly, the answer always came down to the same thing. Although they may not have thought about it this exact way, they did consider themselves a person who exercised, a person yeah. who cared about their physical health. Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody else, physical health was kind of an inconvenience. It was something that right. maybe was important for a short period of time, but it didn't fit into the overall scheme of their life. And that's right. why it was so much easier for someone who maybe they weren't always motivated to work out, but it was easier mm-hmm. for them to get into the gym even when they lacked motivation yeah. as opposed to their clients who, when they didn't have motivation, it was rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's and that's a, a great way of, of looking at it. And Actually, I talk about in the book in a very similar fashion where it's a way of life, not treated as something as an event. So uh, to give an example of that for a moment, um, it's kind of like, you know, we want to lose weight, sticking sticking with your theme here of, of, of the gym. It's what do most people want? They just want the magic pill. (laughs) Right. Give me this. Give me the shot. That's going to just trim this down in the next week. That's what I want. I want that end result. And that's as we think about the pill or the needle to, you know, to to slim us down. That's just, you know, interjecting something into us. Right. 
when we get something interjected into our into our bodies, it gets in there immediately. And then it will take its effect. The bloodstream will, will take it to where it needs to go, between our hearts, our lungs, where, whatever the purpose is designed to do. Right. That's an immediate action. And let's be clear. Sometimes we do need that interjection into us, <laughs> right? That, that immediacy. But when we're talking about habits and we're talking about intention, we're talking about integration. We're talking about now building it into the fabric of who we are. And that takes a lot more time. So who we are is our environment. So our people, places, things, the things that, you know, obviously all of which keep us safe. Our friends keep us to our social norms or to the boxes that were created for us or they created for us. Our environment, where we live, the types of cars we drive are just regular routines. Heck, even how we even shop at the grocery store. We do have a routine in that. Yep. We are now asking our, you know, in, with as you're descript, describing it, as well as, as I'm describing it within my book, specifically around the principle of you, there's a part that really does need to take some stock into our environment and how it keeps us where we are. And thus, when we are actually defining who we are based off our environment as a point of reinforcement or, or places that keep us in, um, stuck, we now have acknowledgement and choice to do something else prior to taking any level of action. Because once we think about our actions, we're now, number one, trying to now start new habits and new behaviors, but we're also competing against all those things in our environment that are, that are intended to keep us safe, that are intended to keep us where they or it needs us. Yeah. And when you combine that, quite frankly, we then begin to start struggle, struggling to, one, even attain any type of new habit. And secondly, when we do get there, we get to that sustainment and we put you back out into that world to now do it on your own. That becomes a lot more daunting because we haven't cared for those things that are going to keep us in place. And for me, that starts with the principle of you, not only from an environment standpoint, but it also even extends to who we are as people um, through our characters. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. So real quick, tell tell mm -hmm. everyone exactly what it is that you do. Yeah. No. Um, aside from being an author, um, one, <laughs> one of the things I do is I help people master their intentions. Um, I'm a coach, so I work with executives as well as individuals outside of the corporate space, one-on-one -on -one and within groups to help build capabilities, in particular behaviors that they can now do in different situations. So for example, within a corporate space, I work with uh, leaders specifically around how they communicate, how they're developing a strategy and how that it impacts their employees. Anything that's executive related and the impact to their teams, their peers, or their de development to get to that next level, I help in, from a developmental one-on-one -on -one coaching perspective. Now, not to be lost, those same desires are put into our personal lives. So I help individuals one-on-one -on -one achieve their dreams, their purpose, and what they see as their intentions of yeah. their story. And in that capacity, sit down, have very detailed conversations of who they are and what they're willing to do. And then we start building out specific planning in a very incremental way to actually help them achieve that. And that achievement is based off of consistency of behavior, not necessarily cons uh, achievement of one particular title or goal of which uh, we can also get caught in a cycle of. Yes, absolutely. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, goals are very outcome oriented. And yeah. so, what happens if that outcome isn't reasonable? What, mm -hmm. if some out, what if some external force makes that outcome impossible? 
you right. know, then what? Yeah, it, it's, it's something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, there was a, a quote and, uh, by Jean Sarté, and I'm probably going to mess this up, but it, it resonates with me and it speaks directly to this idea of goals. And, it's, and it goes along the line of when we hear the details of success, it's hard to separate it from defeat. And to your very point, when we think about goals of, of outcomes or achievements, those are our details because we have it in our mind already what we should be doing or, or where we should be at. Yeah. But when we don't achieve that, now all of a sudden it's defeat. Mm-hmm. Now, why didn't we do it? Why didn't I achieve this? Maybe I couldn't. And then oftentimes it turns into the wily coyote effect, as, as I like to call it. You know, wily coyote from the Roadrunner. Um, and the old Roadrunner cartoon, Wiley used to, Coyote used to try to chase down the Roadrunner with all these new contraptions. Yeah. The problem is Wiley never used the same contraption twice. He always failed. He never learned because his goal was solely about catching the Roadrunner. Yeah. It was not about building capabilities to hunt and find new or refine the contraptions he used. Instead, he always created a new one. And so he was always, number one, chasing the roadrunner, but also chasing his own ideals. And it was easier to create than it was to correct. And that was one of his biggest downfalls. Yeah, I I love that because it's ironic. I actually just made a video last night about this idea about evolving or revolving. Mm -hmm. And, you know, revolving is just you're literally just doing the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. And evolving is that you're constantly growing. It's the constant tweaking. Yeah. And yes. the assumption, if you listen to society, if you listen to all the motivational stuff out there, the assumption would be we should always be evolving. Mm-hmm. The truth is that sometimes you need to revolve. Yes. Sometimes you just need to, if, if you have something that's working, keep doing it. Mm-hmm. But if it's not working, Sometimes it's just making that little tweak. It's not, it's not going in a completely different direction. It's just tweaking something. Yes. Um, and, and, I, and, and I talk about that in, in, in my book to that very point around attunement, right? How are we really reflecting and learning yeah. from adjustments as we're building consistency of our new behaviors? It's that continuous evolution that, as you mentioned, it's not always creation. It's sometimes saying, hey, I'm doing this well, how can I refine it? Yeah. Or if I didn't do it well, where was the breakdown? Yeah. Maybe the plan was absolutely right, but it was just bad timing. Maybe you're doing everything well, you just need to give it time. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, well, Mega Wiley Coyote there, right? It's like, yes. maybe maybe he just needed to pull the, the string like two seconds sooner, right? That, that he's got a whole new trap. <laughs> absolutely. Instead, he's doing all, everything else and he's now starving. And he never adjusted in that way. And that was the whole point of the cartoon, which made it yeah. funny or uh, enjoyable to watch. But when we're doing that in our lives, that becomes exhausting. And, and yeah. because of that, we're not like Wiley, where it's a cartoon and we can continue to draw and create new traps. Guess what we do? We stop and say, you know what? I can't do this. Yeah. You know, it's too daunting. Right. And every time you think about it, you think about the times that you failed. Mm-hmm. You don't think about the possibilities any longer. And then thus you're stuck right where you are. Yeah. And which is also uh, a, a byproduct of not really stepping back and learning and adjusting. Yeah. 
I want to get back to your story, but we, there's a couple of points that you brought up here that I want to touch on too. So real quick, your degree is in. Yeah. So I have uh, my master's is in clinical psychology and then my PhD is in industrial organization psychology. So I just, I, and the reason I asked that is I want for anyone listening who might be like, why should I be listening to what, you know, Ian <laughs> Brooks has to say? Cause the man knows the stuff. That's why. Right. And if I get a NASM certified from a personal trainer perspective, heck, even have a bartending certificate uh, certification. <laughs> uh, all told, I love to learn. And each one of my certifications and degrees are all about helping other people. Um, and it's love a lot it. of fun doing it. Love it, man. That's yeah. it's, it's all it's all about <laughs> lifelong learning, right? That's... Absolutely. Um, you'd be surprised what you learned about yourself and others. <laughs> Oh yeah, special about others. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so one of the things that you brought up that I wanted to kind of go back to and make sure mm -hmm. that people don't miss this is you talked about how we get into these comfort zones, so to mm -hmm. speak, right? Where our brain does the safe stuff. Yes. Can you maybe talk a little bit about for for the people that may not be familiar with this concept? Mm -hmm. how we essentially have two different brains and how they function in different ways. And so this whole idea about your environment needing to change and our mindset need to change, and we have to get kind of comfortable with that change. Right. What does that look like? Cause I don't think a lot of people necessarily get how strong those emotions are to all this. Yeah, they, they really are strong. And it's one of the pervasive points that I talk about upfront in the book, because as we go down a path of transformation and trying to build habits, we're constantly fighting against our old selves. So to your acknowledgement, to your point, we do have multiple selves and characters, no different than any other story where we're, we are not only the actors, we're the set creators, we are the directors, um, we're the writers. All of these parts of who we are influence our story. And to be, to drive this point home, I'll bring it up into the context of characters and what they really mean for us and how they influence what we do. Characters are not the titles bestowed us. Like, I'm a doctor. Okay, great. That's a, something bestowed upon me. I'm a brother, a sibling. I'm a VP. I'm whatever, right? Those are titles bestowed to us. As we think about our characters, our characters can be where do we find ourselves in certain situations? And that's how you show up. It can be, I'm a jerk, right? Yeah. Or I'm Mr. Know-it-all. Or for me, as I listed out all my degrees, one of my characters is Mr. Degree because that degrees offered validation yeah. of personal validation. And it got away from what people could judge or take away. And so I recognize that's a character within my story. Right. I also recognize because of that character, I was running from judgment. And so because of that, that character in running from judgment of others influenced even how I even wrote this book, well, at least for the first copy that no one has ever seen aside from my editor. <laughs> and in that judgment, in that character of Mr. Degree, and running from judgment, it influenced 
how much I was actually putting out on paper. Was I even owning my own voice? Right. Was I even saying in uh, my own perspective or, or was I regurgitating what I was reading and seeing from my countless hours of research right. from having the doctorate and the master's and an experience? Right. And I realized in that first copy that my character missed a degree and my fear of judgment didn't allow me to just let go and own my voice to the extent that I actually, when I did my first audiobook, and um, when I was actually on the microphone in that moment, I was scared. I was scared to hear my voice. It was the first time that I was also hearing my words that I'd written down out loud. Yeah. Even though I had practiced, I, I heard it in my mind, but that's a lot different piece. Or when I did say it out loud, I was just pick, almost picking and choosing unconsciously things that I were fine or, or that I was comfortable with. But to actually have other people actually hearing what I had written, and then for me to actually hear it, jumped immediately to the part of the judge, <laughs> right? That judge character in me, that judgment and that fear of it. And so as a result, I was stumbling over my words. I was analyzing every single sentence I had. And to the extent that over the course of two days, I was just worn down, yeah. just beat up. And while my second day was better than my first, it still offered me an opportunity, as we talked about, to take stock in what was I willing to do? What was my voice? What did I really want? No one was forcing me to write a book, in this case, even an audiobook. No one was forcing me, me even to do the audiobook on my own. Right. But I had a decision to make. And in that moment, I sat down and said, okay, Ian, <laughs> check. <laughs> you, you went through this. Got it. Now, what'd you learn? What'd you learn about yourself? Yeah. You know, what's that feeling and emotion? Because as you described, you know, it's it, 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 one of the things that keeps us in our place. Our two strongest pieces are going to be our mind because the tricks we play on ourselves and the fear mm -hmm. of pulling us back to our safe zones and our emotion, the butterflies, yep. the anxiety, the quick pace of dialogue, <laughs> the slurring of words, the tone isn't <laughs> there. Yeah. All of those things come up. And I was like, okay, Ian. Now, some of that comes with practice, right? First time doing it, check. But there was more going on that I needed to solve. Yep. And as a result of my depth and attunement to myself in that moment, and making a decision that I was going to do something different with my characters of the judge and Mr. Degree, notably, I now needed and afforded myself, and as important, empowered myself to do something else yeah and to that extent i threw the whole audiobook away um and started from scratch the entire book and rewrote the entire book yeah in about six months and what i realized was that experience in that audiobook offered two things the first is i became the author the book needed me to be the second thing I had learned is not only was I the author, but I'm also the client. 
I was coaching myself through this. Yeah. And it afforded me to get even closer to the words and the points. And so as we think about it from our listener standpoint, and even just ourselves, as we think about the voices and who we are and the characters we create and have created in our lives, that, oh yeah, by the way, they do serve a purpose, right? They have served a purpose in who we are and the the decisions we've made and the biases that we've created to make quick decisions because we can't constantly be thinking about every single thing that we do every day. Yeah. Then we make some 2000 plus decisions each day. Right. We can't think about every single one to the same level of detail. So we have to make certain decisions or make certain assumptions based off of previous learning. And that's fine. But when we're actually trying to change our behaviors and our habits, those things that we have now, I'll say, cut corners on or made easy for ourselves just by making certain biases or assumptions can come back to haunt us. Right. And so we always have to be conscious of that. And sometimes we don't afford ourselves that opportunity. And that impacts us down the line as we think about our plans and our behaviors moving forward. I love the fact that you that you use this analogy because I've not heard anyone use this analogy mm-hmm. uh, of this idea of there being different characters. Mm-hmm. I, I've had a couple of mentors who have you know taught me this idea that all behaviors are an effort to solve a problem mm-hmm. or a way to identify who we want to be. Sure. But I haven't heard this as characters. And and what I thought about when you said it, and I'm being careful to tread lightly here because I don't want to make this direct comparison to a mental illness. Sure. (laughs) But it almost comes across like schizophrenia where you have Mm -hmm. the multiple personalities, right? Mm -hmm. And that is the right disease, right? (laughs) Yeah, I feel like the social disease. Yeah, that's it. So so it's like, it's almost like that second personality Mm -hmm. comes out for a reason. Yeah, there's a reason that second personality comes in. Mm-hmm. And so I love the fact that you kind of pointed out that this isn't a situation where the personalities don't know each other or anything like that. This is just different kind of characters that you have, different parts of your personality, so to speak, that they show up for certain situations. They're not always there. They right. come out at certain times. And I really love yeah. the fact that you were like, hey, you know what? I realized these two characters in particular were coming out mm-hmm. and I had to stop and ask why, right. why are they showing up now? What problem mm-hmm. are they here to solve? Yeah. And are they trying to keep me safe because of their comfort zone or in what has been learned and how they were created? And again, they serve their purpose, but maybe that purpose no longer exists. And it is, you know, it isn't as extreme as dissociative disorder, you know, or schizophrenic behaviors and multiple personalities, it is to describe that when we all show up in different situations, we do bring a certain part of ourselves that may be different from one part to another. You know, that that role that someone, if again, going to make it a little bit easier, when we go to our back homes and around our family, around our significant others, we may act in a certain way versus when we're just around our friends. Right. Right. Now, yes, we're the same person. Um, yes, we're going to be talking about somewhat similar things, but our characters and the role we play in our that life. So in one life, I'm just maybe, hey, I'm just a support. I'm there or I'm the glue guy. I'm the one who brings everyone together, like make sure everyone's taken care of. In another situation, I'm the party guy because they're not going to do it. And they're going to be looking at me to, to get things started. So guess what? I'm going to get this party started. Um, 
or I could be the judge <laughs> or I can be Mr. Degree. Yeah. And that, and that, but it's all a personal journey and we all have those characters and how they actually show up. And then you combine those characters with our environments that, oh yeah, by the way, reinforce those characters. Mm-hmm. They are our friends, the places we go, mm-hmm. our routines, all intended to reinforce those characters. <laughs> yep. And it's like, oh, poop. I'm starting to change one thing. I now realize that I don't have to change about five or six. Yeah, Just it's, break even. <laughs> it's, it's funny how the, the things interconnect. One of the big things I always teach people is you can't separate out different areas of, of your health, right? Yeah. Your, your physical health has a direct impact on your mental health. Mm-hmm. and your emotional health yeah. and if your emotional health and your mental health are being impacted then your financial health is probably be impacted because you're probably not being as productive at mm-hmm. work or your you know business or whatever mm-hmm. your relationships are going to also get hurt because you're probably right. not going to be a very pleasant person to be around yeah so when yeah. things get out of alignment it, mm-hmm. it can really impact so many other areas. And so, like you said, then all of a sudden you're like, now I got to go change five more things because right. I've, I uncovered a new problem that I didn't know existed before. Right. Yeah. And maybe that's the real problem. Maybe that's it. And now you're just seeing the remnants and the results. And I think as, as we think about building new habits, it's and from an intention standpoint, it's about acknowledging those pieces of ourselves up front because Oftentimes, we try to detach ourselves from those situations or pretend that they don't exist or they don't matter. Well, they do. (laughs) They absolutely matter. And I know in my book, and as you're describing as well, the intention is to build depth. Yeah. Because this is the true foundation of which we're really affording ourselves the opportunity to do. But what's not to be lost in this either is that when we talk about building new habits or we're talking about operating with intent, People look at it in the context that I'm doing something else. Yeah. As in, I'm adding on to. Sometimes you need to let go right. of the things that aren't aren't right. And but when people think about, oh, I've got another five, 10 things to do just to do, just to achieve this one outcome or this one behavior. Yeah. I don't know if I've got it. Well, if you put in the context of doing everything that you're used to doing, right. then yeah, you're not gonna achieve it. I can guarantee it. Or if you do, you'll achieve it one time and then you're going to complain about the sustainment yeah. or I don't live to this on a day-to-day basis. Right. That's because you're trying to live to your old self. You haven't let anything go. Right. It's like, all right, well, that's a choice you made and, and that's perfectly fine. But is that really the outcome that you really wanted? Yeah. And then that's when now let's have the conversation about it. Um, and, and there's no silver bullet or line to it. It's, it is hard. Sometimes it's, Sometimes the learning and intention is to create the awareness and that's it. I don't need to do anything else. Yeah. The awareness was good enough. But as we think about habits, routines, and sustainment, either thought or in our bodies or in our actions, then, you know, there's a lot more work that needs to go into play than just that one thing that you think you want to solve. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think you touched on this a little bit there mm-hmm. where people, they want like the answer, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, give me step one, step two, step three. Mm-hmm. And the reality is the reason why I teach a framework, the reason why you teach a framework mm-hmm. is because 
the skills that you need, the capabilities that you need is, is your terminology for it. Mm -hmm. They're going to differ for each person, for each environment, mm -hmm. for each situation, for each mm -hmm. outcome that you're trying to reach. No matter what it is that you're looking at, it's going to require something a little bit different. So I can't just yeah. say, oh, here, sit down, clear your mind, say this magical mm -hmm. phrase, and everything is good, right? That's right. not how this works. Right, right, right. That, 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 yeah. But people want that. Yeah. They just want, I just want the end result. They don't want the path. They don't want the work. They don't want the step or steps to get there. And it, that's why, again, that principle of you, I start off of what are you willing to do? Yeah. Because someone else's story is not yours. You may want the same goal. That could be true. But who you are, how you think, what you're willing to do, that all is very personal. It's a very specific journey to you. Yeah. I mean, that can't be lost. And oftentimes it is. It's like, I just want that. It's like, so do a lot of people, but what are you willing to do for that? It's <laughs> that's money yeah, to be that executive to, or to have loving relationships. What are you willing to do? And what are you willing to give up? And, and, and perhaps yeah. even more importantly, what are you not willing to give up? Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. And people are anchor onto what feels comfortable. Yeah. They feel com more comfortable knowing where they are and being unhappy than not knowing where they're going to end up and reaching for the possibilities. And that's a challenge that we are consistently tested on throughout any type of change in behavior and strengthening capabilities or creating new habits. Yeah. It reminds me of, I, I don't know if you've heard this riddle or not, but there's a riddle that there's three frogs sitting on the side of a river. Okay. One decides to jump in. Mm -hmm. How many frogs are left? The answer is three. Mm -hmm. Because just because the frog decided to jump in doesn't mean that he did. Right. Yeah. All he and, did was make a decision. He hasn't taken any actions yet. Right. And... If he did jump in, you still have three. Just because he jumped in doesn't mean he's he's left where? Yeah. <laughs> right? He could just be sitting on a rock underneath that water. Yeah. You still have three three frogs. Unless he swims downstream and he's just then he's just gone, right? Yeah, then he's just gone. And then the other two can be can, can go. It will, it will with him. But you still have three. Um, and, but I think it also underscores that, that leaving is a bad thing. Yeah. Um, but I like the riddle. I hadn't heard it before. Yeah. I just, it, it made me think about it cause you're, you're talking about how people a lot of times say they're needing to make all these decisions mm -hmm. and sometimes you just get paralyzed by the decisions. And so then even when you yeah. do make a decision, you just, you don't do anything with it. You just, yeah. Like you feel like. Sometimes just making the decision is so hard right? that you feel like you've done the work by just making the decision. Like, yeah, that's, that's it. And, you know, I talk about it in the book um, quite a bit and from, you know, spending a lot of time on the discovery of what are we trying to solve for? 
to then the principle of you, then even just documenting a plan, right? Without even doing anything, right? You've just now, when you start documenting a plan, now that you've taken into consideration who you are and where you're trying to go, you really, your steps have been more mental, more emotional, less about the action. And that in and of itself is victory, right? But there's many paths and steps to victory in building capabilities. Now I've just taught them capabilities of how to think, how to really search for discovery on what they want, how to document a plan that is realistic based off of themselves and their true goals. That in and of itself is a capability that many people don't have because most of the time their plan is based off of I want, I need, I go, I buy. (laughs) Um, But we all live parallel lives on paper. So when we actually now start taking those steps in action, now the emotion starts to come out. Yeah. And that's when we start to get the judgment and the fear and the mental ghosts. Our characters start to come out. Our environments try to pull us back to where it feels comfortable to them. Mm-hmm. And it. And that's where we start to get challenged. And that's another step in this process of building the capability of how do you consider and building out plans that considers the environment. Planning around it and for it. Right. Planning for two years from now, not just tomorrow. Yeah. And that's how you build capability. That's how you build habit. And try to set yourself up for success. Yeah. (laughs) That's it. That is it. Like you have to have that awareness of what struggles may come up and you have to acknowledge them early because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's what we were saying earlier where just making the decision sometimes can feel like work. Yes. So so you feel like you've accomplished something just by making the decision. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes easy to kind of avoid the uncomfortable next step. Yeah. So we have to kind of push past that a little bit and say, okay, what does this look like? Right. You know, and, and I think to your point, it's not that we necessarily need to have all the answers. Mm hmm. But just by acknowledging, hey, you know what? This is going to be a struggle. This is going to be the hard part. I know that. But here's how I'm going to deal with it. Right. It gives us a sense of control. Yeah. It can take some of the fear out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And it minimizes our fears. And it puts us in a position where we can adequately respond versus react. Yeah. So when we're reacting, you typically don't have a plan. You're like, oh, poop. Like, oh, okay. Uh, I had, okay, I guess I have to do this. The power goes out. <laughs> now I'm reacting like, oh, you know, if I didn't know what to do, now I'm reacting. A response is, okay, didn't plan for this. Check. About to do some work. Got it. But this needs to be handled. All right, now let me think through. Well, if I just hit the generator, you know, that should do the trick, yeah. right? Make it, make it this real time. Um, but the reality is when we get caught in a reactive mode, especially during habits and change, then we, we're drawn back to what we've been successful with before. Yep. We're drawn back to the boxes we were in. We're drawn back to the characters that have made us safe that we know yeah. versus response and our plans to say, okay, I've thought this through to the extent I could think it through. 
here's what I think is going to happen or could happen. I've planned for it. So if I get anxiety, what should I be doing in that moment? If someone tries to redirect me, what should I do? If I'm at a restaurant, how should I be ordering and keeping my focus? Right. And so now I know how to respond. I don't know what situation is going to pop up. I really don't. I'm not, trying to, I'm not here to plan for that, right? But I am planning for what are the, where are my likely areas of derailment? Right. And let's now think that through. Let's say, okay, here we go. And if something pops up that isn't as part of what I thought about, which will happen and does happen, it's expected to happen. Um, it's about, okay, I have now a choice to make. And now you're building capabilities. Now you're building habits and taking it out of isolated incidents and creating behavior and consistency. Yeah. And that's how we start to build out more uh, sustained changes and new behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, one thing that I wanted to ask you is, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're talking about this idea of changing and, and the characters and, and all this different mm-hmm. stuff. And I want to kind of bring this back to, your story and put it into mm-hmm. perspective for people. Sure. So when you first started with your book, you had a vision for this mm-hmm. book, right? Yeah. What, what was that vision of when you first, like the very first time you wrote it, what was your vision? Yeah. My very first time in, for, for writing the book was really to, to write down and document points and describe areas where people were often failing and writing the questions that I was getting. And as important questions, I was even asking them around their journey. And it was really intended just to be a guide to say, hey, I can't be with my clients all the time. But what would be helpful reminders? What are the helpful um, check boxes or things that they need to be thinking about for themselves that while my questions are consistent, their answers are very unique and specific to themselves. Right. And so... The goal and the value there was, hey, I wanted to make sure I'm caring for them when they aren't sitting with me for an hour. Right. And that they can do this after I leave because I don't, I'm not intended to be a crutch. And so as I was going through the journey of now putting in the, in the writing, I realized that one, I was writing in a very um, scholastic way. Right. I'd never written a book before, but I'd written my dissertation, my thesis and other journal articles. So I was having to write in a lot different perspective, yeah. a lot more storytelling. And I was like, oh, poop. Right. Because people want to read stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was like, oh, man, this is more technical. So I got an editor slash writing coach to help walk me through this, to make sure I was articulating the stories yeah. in a way that created excitement reality, but also reflected the guide and deep thinking that I wanted to make sure came out in this book. And that was really the goal and the vision I had for the book that I can just use as a leave behind with my clients or others um, to talk about it. And that, as I mentioned, that first version was not what it is right now and looks categorically skeletal wise point wise very similar but the depth the story and how it even reflects even my own personality which i didn't realize happened until i got a second editor just to do the last cleanup 
of visibility. It didn't come out until she actually gave me, when I asked her at the very first instance of her reading the book, what she thought about it, did I realize that the book really turned into my voice. And that journey was one of true exploration. But I can tell that this book is, again, a lot different feeling wise that I'm one happy to share with others versus that first one that was written in a, um, a voice that was scared. So kind of going back to say the first one, you Mm -hmm. wrote it with the intention of helping people. Right. But your own fears, your own insecurities kind of got in the way of you writing the book you really intended to write. Yes. You wrote a helpful book. Right. But not one that anyone was likely to read, right? Yeah, not one that one would. Unless they enjoy reading research papers. And then that's that's exactly it. (laughs) And even then, it really was not as clear as it needed to be. It's like, what point are you trying to make out of this? Or I'd write a story and I'd I'd intentionally not include details because I would think, oh, that's not really important or the effort to actually write the entire depth of the, this story just takes too long. So I'm like, oh, I'll just give them bits and pieces. Or some of them were with, with my clients. So I was very protective yeah. of the stories I was telling in, in, in the book to protect them, even though no, you wouldn't know who they are or otherwise. But I was always fearful that they'd pick up the book. And I'm like, oh, that's me. He's writing about me. Yeah. Um, I had to let some of that or better yet, I had to let a lot of that go. Yeah. <laughs> but it really came out in that first book. It was like, oh man, this is this is not very helpful <laughs> at all. And again, when I was listening to the recording of my audiobook, I was like really analyzing it as a coach myself. Yeah. I was coaching myself, like I created three columns, what you know, based off of all 52 recorded sessions. Okay, let's go through each one. And what in one first column was what I like about the content or content. First column was content. Second co- column was uh, my voice pitch, those type things. Mm-hmm. And the and the third column is um, what did I need to add? And I tell you what, it took me a month plus to go through those recordings. And to the extent, uh, again, when when the uh, the uh, my audio production team asked me what I thought about it, um, I said this has nothing to do with your skill set. Um, you can only correct what I give you, what I create. Yeah. But this is this is not what I want. This is I'm missing points all over the place. And I even got angry. I'm like, how can my editor let me let me send this out? <laughs> you know, get a place blame someplace. Yeah. And I was like, it's not my editor's fault, right? She didn't write the book, right? right? This is this is you. Yeah. This is you. And now you have a choice. Yeah, now you got a choice. So once you kind of realized where you were with the first book, did you did your vision change at all going into this into the rewrite? Um, the vision did change. It in a context more so the vision of myself. Um the goal was always still about helping people realize themselves and offering a book as a guide to, for them to actually do so. Yeah. But the vision evolved 
to now look instead of having four chapters with quite some questions to now having seven parts broken out in a very seamless, strategic and intentional way of where people are, are evolving and driving their story. And where am I placing the most emphasis right. or more emphasis that I'm really offering a new perspective? And so that truly did evolve from a vision standpoint of my own self and how I was becoming an author. Because one thing that I never saw myself being was an author in that first book. Yeah. I didn't see myself as an author. This second book, I needed to become an author. To really see and envision myself saying all the things, going into all the details of what I was feeling in that moment, what I was seeing, what I was smelling, or what I envisioned someone else was doing. Yeah. I had to put that out there. And so that vision changed for me quite substantially. And it added content to the book. It again, expanded it to now seven parts. And in a way that again, afforded me a chance to really put myself into the book. And in that regard, it was funny. I'll go back to a, a statement I'll made and, and then tell you the punchline. As I mentioned, when I gave the, the, my second copy of the book to the second editor, just so that because she had a more uh, marketing piece that I wanted to make sure that I was touching on because she was, was looking at the characters and the, and the storytelling. And after that first, uh, at the very outset of our, our, our meeting, when she was actually reviewing, giving me feedback, the first thing I asked her was, what did you think about the book? Like aside from the edits and everything else, everything else. Um, she said, you know what? Um, I really liked the book. She enjoyed it. She said she liked the way that I set myself up as an expert up front mm. and set the white lines to play with. You set the white lines of expectations like this is what you need to do. This is what you will be doing. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. But as as you as I set the foundation up front with those parameters in a very straightforward, easy to read way. She said the book just opened up as you moved forward in the book. Yeah. And when she said that, I was like, I just started to smile and laugh because that's my typical personality. Yeah. I'm one of, I'm serious. Oh, I'll smile and laugh and joke and all the stuff up front, but I'm a lot more serious. I'm going to set the white lines up front. Yeah. But now I know the rules of the game. Now I, now I can play. Yeah. Now I know what I can and can't do by rules, but also I know what I can do that are maybe outside these rules because these rules, <laughs> guess what? We didn't say these rules up front, right? right. This, this one part of our rules. So now I can do anything I want in that case. And so even my examples start to, you know, I start to get more playful as I go down the path with my clients. Yeah. And in that respect, I'm like, okay, remember, this is the rules. Remember, this is the rules. Like, okay, let's go. Um, now that doesn't mean the rules can't change, right. but that does mean that we've already established the rules. And so when she said that, again, I smiled. And that's when I knew that this book really, in a, a subconscious and unconscious way, this book really became mine and really reflected my voice. You know, the, the thing I love about this story is, and I'm, I'm pointing this out because I want to make sure people get it. Mm -hmm. 
you have a couple things that happen here. So one, when you set out with this original intention of writing your book, it was very matter of fact, right? It was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to write this book. Mm-hmm. I'm going to help people. And I get where you're coming from as a coach, because there's, there's mm-hmm. a little bit of frustration even there, right? Where it's like, mm-hmm. you help people when they're around you and then they get away from you and then they don't do what they're supposed to do. And it's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, maybe if I just give them the instructions that they can right. have with them at all right. times, now, now they'll yeah. follow the directions all the time and they'll get great results, right? Like mm-hmm. that's, that's that natural inclination as a coach until you learn that that doesn't work. And then Absolutely. you're like, all right, now I need a new approach. But early right. in our coaching careers, I think we all do that, right? Mm-hmm. And so you give people this, you know, list of things to do, right? And mm-hmm. it's this helpful thing to have. It's a great resource, but it's not tapping into the emotional side of things. Right. And it wasn't tapping into other people's emotions because you weren't tapped into yours. Right. And what yeah. happened is in going through that uncomfortableness of doing the audiobook, which I know from our first conversation, you didn't even want to do. Like people were yep. just like, I'm not listening. <laughs> I'm not reading your book. You have to do an audio version. Right. Yes. <laughs> I'm not buying your book. Right. So you kind of did it out of guilt. Um, but it ended up being a blessing because it mm-hmm. revealed to you. Because had you just read it, you would have kept reading it in your own voice. Right. And it wasn't until you heard it out loud in your voice that you're like, that doesn't sound like me. Yeah. That doesn't sound like the Ian who talks. That sounds like mm-hmm. the Ian who writes, but it doesn't sound like right. the Ian who talks. Right. And so there was that disconnect for you. And so you mm-hmm. went back. But when you went back to learn the skills for your new vision for mm-hmm. the second version of the book, mm-hmm. you didn't do what a lot of people would do, which they would have focused on, I need to improve my writing. I need to Mm -hmm. learn to tell better stories. I need to, you Mm -hmm. had kind of already done all that stuff the first time you had those skills. You just didn't apply them correctly. Right. You had to learn new skills. Mm -hmm. You had to learn how do I tap into me? How do I Mm -hmm. let go of some of that insecurity, some of those fears of judgment that I have Mm -hmm. and (laughs) tap into my emotions and just be real with this. Yeah, And once you did that, now those other skills were unlocked. So I, yeah. that's what I love, that you didn't get caught up on like, oh, I have to learn this skill, this skill, and this skill, the technical stuff. Mm-hmm. You dug deeper and you really found the, the actual skills that you needed to unlock. Yeah, that's that's absolutely the case. And, you know, once, and that doesn't mean I'm a good writer or otherwise, as much as I did have to tap into me. Yeah. And my emotion and in in boxing terms, just let my hands go, you know, just let my thoughts go. And whatever happens, happens. And down for a good boxing analogy. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, glad it resonates, but, but it, but it's true. I I think in in this case for me, it was like, you know, just let, just let your hands go. And, and in that case for me, just letting my mind go. And put yeah. those words on paper and just tell the story as though you're telling somebody the entire story, not trying to get them to an end point. They'll get there on their own. Um, they'll get there on their own when they're ready. But just tell the story and we'll go from there. Yeah. So, so now you said that that doesn't necessarily make you a good author. I'm going to challenge your audience <laughs> to make the decision for themselves. <laughs> right. There, there, there we go. Well, I said not necessarily a good writer, but you know what? It, it, it's, I tell you what, it's, um, it has, 
improved my writing. It's I've, I, I can honestly say that as I've read it again for myself, I've enjoyed reading it, even with the analytical eye that I, that I have. Yeah. And, you know, the feedback that I've gotten on the book has been just really, really positive and quite frankly, overwhelming on, on what people have been able to take away from the book to this point. And, um, yeah, I've been, 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 uh, uh, surprised in a very pleasant way around what people have, uh, really walked away from, which has been good. Well, I, I will give you this compliment. I told you when we had our pre-interview that my fear going in, because you sent me a thing, you're like, you know, I'm a psychologist, da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, oh boy, what's, what's this conversation <laughs> going to be like, right? Like, is this going to be just like one of those like real super serious, like technical conversations, which I mean, for me personally, I nerd out on that kind of stuff. I'm good mm -hmm. with that because I love learning all about change psychology and everything else. So I can nerd out on this stuff all day. Right. But I'm like, that doesn't necessarily make the best podcast episode. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, yes, absolutely. So, so having met you, having gotten to see your personality, seeing how you really just have like this fun, contagious personality, I I didn't get to read the first version of the book, but I'm really glad that you rewrote it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I am too. And yeah, I would not, aside from my from my editor and aside from the people in that pot in the uh, not podcast room in the uh, recording room, there's only one other person who's actually listened to to that material. And that's just because um, he was that committed to to that he really wanted to listen to it. That's that's a true friend there um, that he had to listen to that. But I would have to say that it really again has afforded me to really just come out in ways that uh, that that have been uh, a lot of fun to do and just bring my true self um, through the journey. And I think, quite frankly, that's what we're all trying to do to be better. Going back to the building habits and even my book intention um, and just building a capability. Um, it doesn't mean that's right all the time. It just means that we're always building and yeah. learning from it. And what's and thinking to ourselves, well, what's the worst that can happen? And when we do that, nine times out of ten, what we thought we were fearful of in that moment in time, quite frankly, isn't what we should be afraid of and yeah. wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. So in my book for me, in this journey anyway, has really uh, afforded me that chance to kind of move my anchor, shall I say. Well, I, I was about to ask you if if you have any closing thoughts that you want to kind of leave people with. I don't know if that if that was your closing thought or if you have something else you want to throw out there. Oh yeah, you know, I, you know, my closing thought is, you know, is is we had, just have to make sure that as we're going through our own journeys, that number one, we're fine as we are. Um, when we're actually making decisions and choices to be better. We're now coming from a place of power. So as we think about new habits and forming new habits or starting new intentions and building those capabilities, know that you're good enough. And now you're just doing the extra. Now you're looking to build on what you already have. But because of that, we're also going to be checking and adjusting. So I always say and talk to my clients just to own their pace. Pace being an acronym for P, just to be patient. You're not, you're not going to get through all this at once. Secondly, the A is accountability. Hold yourself accountable. B, 
because you're the only one who's going to go through this journey. No one else is going to ask you about this unless you tell them. Um, it's a wonderful story. Keep going. The C is reflective to stay committed because you will fail. Like, let's just be clear. There will be times where we'll be like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah. or, right. or, or as I like to say, you'll, you'll find out some things that don't work very well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you will find out the things that don't work. And those are lessons learned. But keep going. Stay. Give yourself a fighting chance at improving your story. <laughs> Stay committed. Um, don't be Wiley Coyote. I mean, he was. I mean, he was committed at least. Oh yes, at least he was committed to. He was committed to learning and creating from scratch. That's he the only thing he got right, though. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. um, and last one, the E stands for emotions, both the mental and physical, because taking it out of the context of our actions, our mental and physical emotions keep us where we are, because that's where our fear comes up. Yeah. And transformations are exhausting because you're going to have to constantly think about it. What am I constantly doing? And there will be times when you will question your mental and emotional fortitude. It, it will come. Yep. Um, but just recognize that through this journey, you can handle it. Yeah. So always remember to remember, manage your pace. Love so that's it, it. Love it. Yeah. So if someone wants to work with Dr. Ian Brooks, how do they do that? Yeah, they can uh, definitely go. Um, to my website, that is uh, rhodessmith.com. That's R-H-O-D-E-S dot uh, smith.com. Um, they can find out where to work with me, both from a one-on-one -on -one coaching perspective, as well as from some of my group coaching. Um, also on that site, you'll see a number, this um, podcast will be there, as well as other places that I've been featured. Um, they can also find me on through various social media aspects, through Twitter and Instagram. And there they can find me at Dr. B underscore intention. Um, if they want to find the book intention, they can find that on my website, as well as on Barnes and Noble, as well as Amazon. You can purchase the paperback copy as well as the ebook. And there will be a audiobook coming in the not too distant future. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Yeah, well, there will be. Now, will it be my voice? Will be a different story. But uh, that's uh, that. Uh, is still TBD, but it is the audiobook is uh, currently under underway now. Cool. And I did put uh, for anyone catching us on YouTube instead of uh, listening to us on a podcast station, I did put the name of your book up on the screen here just so that, that way they can okay get the entire title. So no, but perfect. it will also be in your show notes. So if someone is listening on audio, they can just go back and check out the show notes and it will be in there also. No, it sounds good. And never forget it is about your intention. So absolutely. Yeah. So Ian, thank you so much for coming on today, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to share your story and your expertise and your knowledge with everyone and, and being open about your story and some of the struggles that you went through. And I hope that people were able to take that and learn from it. No, thanks for having me here, uh, Stephen. It's been a, a great conversation. More than happy to share, share my struggles and challenges as well as how I've moved past it, and of which we all have a choice and capability of doing. So thanks for, for having me share here and sharing today. Absolutely. And just a quick reminder for everyone that we will be back next week with another episode of the Unshakable Habits podcast. You can get notified about that by subscribing on our YouTube channel at unshakablehabits.com slash YouTube. 
You can also find us anywhere your favorite podcasts are played, and you can always learn more at unshakablehabits.com. Until next week, be unshakable. Thanks for listening to the Unshakable Habits Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, please subscribe at unshakablehabits.com slash YouTube or on your favorite podcast app. You can learn more about Unshakable Habits at unshakablehabits.com. Until next week, be unshakable, my friends. Unshakable.